Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back in this pulpit this morning. I've had the opportunities over the past month to be at some other churches and opening up God's Word and sharing God's Word with them, but it's always great to be back here with you all, the people who I'm in ministry with and love with and my church family, so it's always great to be back this morning. If you haven't had a chance yet to look at your bulletin, we're going to be continuing in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking specifically at Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. If you were with us last week, Pastor Wesley preached on marriage. He opened up chapter 10 and he preached on marriage and how that is what was God's design for marriage, which is to be between a man and a woman. Then he also talked about God's desire for marriage, which is that that man and woman would remain married through difficult times. And really, he, even though he does give an exception for divorce, his desire is still that we are to be in marriage, that, that, that is a lifelong commitment. And that's kind of what we were at last week and kind of following along that theme, if you will, of the family. Today's passage talks about the children of God and how we are to be with the children and, and accept the children and love the children. And it's not by coincidence that Mark puts this passage here right after talking about marriage. And what we'll see today in our passage is that Jesus puts of value, puts a level of importance, of dignity in children. And we can't lose sight of the significance of Jesus doing this in the time of his, in the days that he's living, that he's walking. Because the ancient world, especially during the time of Jesus, did not have value in children. They didn't see their worth. They didn't have dignity. As R. Kent Hughes noted, that the practice of infanticide, that is the killing of, of infants, it was not outlawed in the Roman law until 375 A.D. He also notes that, that the fathers, the men, were given absolute power over their families, even to the point of life and death. And there's a document showing that a father had ordered his son to be put to death as late as 60 A.D., just saying, just get rid of him. I don't want him. And that's the idea that, that we have here in this time of how they viewed children. David Garland noted that during the Greco-Roman Roman world, children, because they didn't bring any worth in, they weren't really economically valuable to the family, they didn't really bring any honor, one could literally throw children away to the side of the road almost like a trash heap, and either they were left to die, or if someone wanted to pick them up, they could, and oftentimes those babies were turned into prostitutes or, or gladiators or, or slaves, or sometimes they were disfigured even more so that they can be more valuable as beggars. That is the situation, how this world that Jesus lived in, how they viewed children. They didn't have much honor. They, they didn't give them dignity. And in the face of all that, Jesus changes that value, gives them dignity. And we see the biblical view of children is that we are to honor them. We are to love them. We are to care for them. And he's going to go in completely against the culture. Honestly, today, it's kind of counterculture to how we view children in our culture today. And so we're going to see what kind of value Jesus gives to children. And so our main idea today, if there's anything I want you to leave with, is this. Children are to be loved they are to be valued and cared for in a way that honors them and honors God. Children are to be loved and valued and cared for in a way that honors them 
and honors God. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you need one, those are our gift to you. If you can take that home, but you can use it today. We're going to be on page 846, reading from the Gospel of Mark. And God's word reads, And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as the body of Christ and sing songs of praise to you, Father, and sit under the preaching of your word and to pray before you, Lord, and to consider the things of your scripture, Father. It's a blessing that oftentimes we overlook and do not consider, but there are plenty of brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who do not have that opportunity to gather. So, Lord, we ask that you bless this time together, Father. Lord, we ask that you bless Wes as he's bringing the word at Christ Alone Fellowship. May he do so in a way that is glorifying and honoring to you, Father. We ask that you bless Alex as he's bringing the word at Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship, Father. Lord, we ask that you are magnified and glorified today, Father. Eliminate any distractions as we dive into your word for the next several moments, Father. May it be convicting. May it be edifying. May it lead us to grow closer to you, Father. Lord, may the words in my mouth and the meditations in my heart be edifying to your people. Pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Point number one, it's simple. We need to accept children the way Jesus does. We need to accept children the way Jesus does. We see here, starting in verse 13, that they were bringing the children to him. And we're not told who exactly are bringing the children to them. They could be parents. They could be older siblings or extended family. The point being, we don't know. We don't need to get bogged down on who they are, but they are bringing the children to God. Or depending on your translation, it's young children or little children. We're not told the age of the children, just that they're being brought. The Greek word here for children or younger children is pation, and it refers to a little child, a young child. In some instances, it refers to, to infants, and we actually see Luke, I mean, Mark used this same word in chapter 5 when he's talking, when Jesus heals Jairus' daughter, and he calls her a pation, and we see there that she is a 12-year-old. So really, it could mean from anywhere from an infant all the way up to 12-year-old. In Luke's account that we read during our scripture reading, it calls them infants or babies, the point being is that these children are from many ages, and they are coming, they're bringing them to Jesus for him to touch them. And, I'm, and I just think that's important to know that they are bringing him, and we see what the happens. The, the parents, the, whoever is bringing the children to Jesus, and we see that the disciples rebuke them. They are, in essence, denying these families, the children, access to Jesus. We're not told why the disciples are denying. Simply, we're told that they rebuke them. They're telling them, no, you can't come. 
whether they think the children are going to be disruptive or whether they had that same mentality that was so entrenched in the culture where they didn't see them as valuable, but that we need other, we need the grown-ups instead. Not the children, we need the people who really need to be healed, the important people. Maybe that's part of their mindset. It's clear that they weren't really listening when we see in chapter 9, Jesus give value to children here in Mark. They're clearly showing their ignorance by denying by rebuking the parents or rebuking whoever is bringing the children. And how does Jesus respond? We see in verse 14, it says, But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. He was indignant, or, or depending on your translation, it's much displeased. This is a sense of righteous anger. This is the only instance in scriptures where we see Jesus being described this way, that he was indignant. He was upset. He was not happy, if you will, with what the disciples were doing. And in return, he says, no, let the children come to me. Why are you denying them access? He says, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. He's saying, I need to bring them in. He's, he's bringing them in. He's accepting them. We see that he gives them blessings. If you look at verse 16, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This idea, the implication there in verse 16 is that he's going to each child. Every child that's being brought to him, he's taking the time out to lay his hands on them and bless them. He's not just saying, all right, just bring all the children in and I'll just give them a general blessing. No, the implication we see in verse 16 is that he is taking his time going to each child and laying his hands on them, blessing them, taking care of them, asking them questions perhaps. And that's the way we need to accept. That's what we need to mimic when it comes to children. We need to accept children the way Jesus does. And I say this in two primary ways. We need to love them like Jesus, this idea that he is taking his time out to talk and bless each and every child that is being brought before him. Remember, the eyes of society, they weren't viewed as valuable. He's taking his time with them in a society that, as our Kent Hughes notes, there's a letter from a dad dated June 17, 1 B.C., that he sends to his pregnant wife, and it quotes this, it is, If it is a male child, let it live. If it is a female, cast it out. That is how this society viewed children. They weren't of value. And Jesus flips that completely on its head. And see, that's, that's the idea behind babies throughout all of history. That they don't need, they're not valuable, they're not important, they have no dignity. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can be disgusted at that, but we're not too different in today's culture. We view children the same way. And sometimes we may dispose of them the same manner that we see there. But we do not put much value in babies or children. Sometimes we see them as trophies, right? It's just something you do as you get older. We don't really want to spend time. We don't really want to disciple them. But I'm married now. I need to just have a kid. And then we send them off to daycare or whatever it may be. Not really spending time or investing in children the way we ought to. We, don't want to, we want to have children, but we don't want to raise them. 
You know, and very similar in our culture, we've had this idea of abortion. And, and I'm not just talking about abortion. That is heinous, the fact that for so long we allowed that act in our country. But it goes beyond that. The question isn't, do you get angry or upset at the thought of abortion? Or, or do you get angry or upset at the thought of a child being abused? But the question for us today, church, is what is your attitude towards towards children? Do you love and accept them like Jesus does here? Do you make time for children? Not just your children or your grandchildren, but do you make for time for any child that God puts before you here in the church or out there? Are you demonstrating grace towards them? Are you being a blessing to any child that God puts in your way? Or are you ignoring them? Are you taking the time out to listen to them? Or what kind of mindset do we have as a church? Or what type of mindset do you have towards children in today's culture? A phrase that I have heard throughout all the time, throughout as long as I've been in the church. I've heard it from friends. I've heard it from people, from family. This idea that, that children are to be seen and not heard. I hear it time and time again from believers and non-believers, from people with kids, from people without kids. Is that your mindset? That children are to be seen and not heard. And what does that say about your mindset? How does that reveal anything about how you view children? Is that the way that Jesus views children in this scripture? Or does he accept them unconditionally? Are you seeking ways to show genuine affection to your own children or even to the children around you? Whether they're your family or not, are you seeking to love the children the way that Jesus does and the way that we see throughout all of scriptures? That they really have to believe that they are a blessing, that they are a gift from God as it says in the Psalms. How are you viewing children? Are you loving them the way Jesus loves them in the scripture? By taking them, by spending time with them. To the men, to the fathers, grandfathers, uncles, brothers, whatever title you may have here, to the men here. Are you actively involved in the day-to-day caring of your children? Are you actively involved in the day-to-day building up and discipling of your children or of your grandchildren, or of your nephews and nieces, whatever it may be, are you actively involved in the day-to-day caring and building up of them? Or do you simply see yourself as the disciplinarian? I come home, I take care of business, and that's it. Or are you actively involved in the children's lives? I would venture to say, I know I'm guilty of this myself, that there is more that we as men can be doing in our families. There is more that we can be doing when it comes to our children and the children within the church. There is more that we can do to bless them, not just look at them and not just say they're cute, but to be a blessing to them. Because our love for children, how valuable we see them, it's seen in how we treat them. It's seen in how involved we are, how we care for them. We want to be a church that is actively loving children the way that we see Jesus loves children here in Mark. And so we must love them the way Jesus does. Another way to accept children the way Jesus does is by leading them to Christ. 
Are we leading our children to Jesus? The parents here, that's what they're doing. They are bringing their children to Jesus, and we ought to be doing the same. We ought to be bringing our children to Jesus. What does that mean? Simple. Are we pouring into our children? Making sure that they are growing up in the ways of God. Are we being an example for them? Are we modeling, as Danny Aiken calls it, a Christ-intoxicated life? Are we mimicking for them the ways that they ought to worship God? Are we mimicking for them the way they ought to pray? Or is the only time that your children see you open up your Bible is on Sundays? And the rest of the week it just sits on the stand. Are you evangelizing your children? Are you taking time to evangelize the children in our church? Are you being intentional in looking for opportunities to present the gospel to our children? Do we have homes that are saturated with the gospel? Are we taking time to pray with our children, showing them, mimicking them how they ought to pray? Are we teaching our children how to pray? One of the men that used to disciple me out in Philly, that is the one thing that I've taken from him. Even seven years after being there and not having talked, the way I am, the, the, way I, the affection that I show towards my boys, it's all because of what this man showed me by discipling me. He would pray for life groups, and no matter what was going on, how many kids in there, he never watered down prayer time. If we had 15 kids, they were going to sit through all the whole prayer. I was there with him when he's praying for his kids before bedtime, and he never watered it down. He prayed for each and every kid, and if it took 15 minutes, it took 15 minutes. But he never watered down prayer for kids. Are we mimicking that to our children? Are we teaching them how they should be praying? Are we showing to our children that living for Jesus is an everyday affair, not just something we do as we walk through the doors here on Sunday or on life group nights, or on Bible studies, but every day of our lives, we are to be followers of Jesus. We want to be a church that is known for that. We want to be a church known for where its members are living for Jesus each and every day, not just Sundays. That's our goal. That is our prayer here as leaders here, that we mimic that for you guys, and in return, you guys are doing the same. And then the same is being shown to your children. We want, them to sh- we want to show the children here how to live for Christ. And everything we do is that with that in mind. The thought process of why we have children in service until worship is over is so that the children can see their parents singing praises to God, giving themselves to God, so they can see what it means to worship God. Part of the reason we we don't have children church throughout the summer, it is to give our teachers a break, but it's also to try to integrate children into the service more so that they can see what it means to sit for prayer, so they can see what it means to sit under the preaching of God's word, so they can sit and know what it means to just worship God. Some of the most, some of the best gospel-centered conversations that Keisha and I have had with our boys has been during the Lord's Supper. When we sit there and we get ready to partake in it and they're asking, why can't I do it? What are you doing? Why do we do this? And that is an opportunity for us to just share the gospel with them. 
And that is why we do each and everything the way we do here. We're trying to be intentional. And that is the call. We have to bring our children to Jesus. Jesus says here that this is the kingdom is theirs. He says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. We may not believe it, we may not understand it, but children are capable of coming into a loving relationship with Jesus. At a very young age, there are plenty of people in our church who will tell you that they were saved at the age of four or five and that God has held on to them all throughout their life. And that is how we are to be bringing our children to Jesus. This is affirming, in essence, what Jesus is doing. He's affirming that children are able to come to God. They are, to, are able to have some storm, some sort of spirituality. Theirs is the kingdom of God. They belong to the kingdom of God. So we need to be bringing them to Jesus. We need to love them like Jesus. We need to be teaching them God's ways. Point number two, so we need to accept Jesus the way children do. We need to accept Jesus the way children do. Verse 15, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. First thing I want us to see here is that wording at the beginning in verse 15 where Jesus says, truly, this is oftentimes used by Jesus and other people within the Bibles to, to just get the people to pay attention, right? It's, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. We see it all throughout the scriptures. We see it in John 3, 3, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And all throughout the gospel of John, we see Jesus saying this, truly, truly. And here we see it again. And he wants us to pay attention because the way that Jesus makes this declaration here in verse 15, it's very emphatic. He wants, he's making a declaration. He wants us to understand how important this declaration is. He's declaring that unless someone receives the kingdom of God like a child, they cannot even enter it. He's making this declaration in the strongest possible way, in a very emphatic declaration. As some scholars have noted, this, that the way this is translated here does not do justice to the force of which Jesus is declaring this statement. Robert Stein says a better translation could be that translated this way, that there is no way in the world that anyone can enter the kingdom of God. They do not receive it like a child. There's no possible way to receive or enter the kingdom of God unless we do so as children. So what is it about children that is so important? It's not that they're innocent. Any parent here will tell you that no child is innocent. It's not that they're cute. It's not that, they, that they're sweet. We can guarantee you, as parents, children are sinners. It's not that they're innocent. Nonetheless, Jesus does say that we must enter. We must receive and enter the kingdom of God like a child. So what is it about children? What is the one thing that is true of all children, especially younger children? It's that they are completely helpless and they are completely dependent on their parents. 
And that is how we are to come before God, completely helpless and completely dependent on him. Common phrase for younger children is, Mommy, do this. Daddy, I need help. Mommy, help. Daddy, help. Mommy, daddy. Mommy, daddy. You hear that often with young children and that they are completely dependent on their parents. And in the, in the minds of children, their moms and dads can do anything and everything. They are completely dependent. They, they've put their trust. They fully put their trust and they fully believe that mommy and daddy will always be there. And we are to take that same type of dependency and rely on God the same way that children do. They take that same dependency that they have in the, in, on their parents and they put that trust in God. Children come to God completely helpless, completely dependent on them. How many times do you read Bible stories to your children and they are completely amazed? Wow, David really defeated Goliath. Can't believe Daniel made it in the lion's den. They believe it wholeheartedly. They wholeheartedly believe the God of the Bible. And so oftentimes we doubt that very same God. They are completely helpless. They, they understand they bring nothing to the table. And they fully trust on God. And that is the way that we are to come. If we are to receive the kingdom of God, and if we are to enter the kingdom of God, it must be as child with childlike faith, completely dependent on God and God alone. So first and foremost, we come helpless. We understand we don't bring anything to the table. And we come repentant. We understand that there is nothing that we can do in our own Good worth in our own deeds. There's nothing that we can do to stand before God on our own. That we come with nothing. That there's no amount of degrees that you can get. There's no amount of accomplishments that you have that will give you a greater status or give you greater favor before God. He's not looking down on you saying, yes, good job. We understand that the faith we have, it, that the very faith that we have is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The very faith that we have is not even our own. That is a gift from God. And so you are helpless and you shall come before God as such. We should come before God in this posture, knowing that we have nothing to give him and he has everything to give us. We are in great need and we should come before God with our hands empty, palms up. And we understand this, that as we gain a greater understanding of the God of the scriptures, as we better understand what it means for God to be righteous, what it means for God to be holy, what it means for him to be just, we understand that there is nothing we can bring before him. We need to come before God as children do, completely dependent on him. The phrase... God, I need you should be a common phrase in the Christian's vocabulary. God, I, I need you. God, I have everything I want. I need you. God, I don't have everything I want. I need you. That should be a common phrase for us. We need to depend on God, and God gives us everything. God gives us the strength that we have. God gives us the ability to understand him, that even if we were to read our Bibles without God 
given us the ability, opening up our eyes, opening up our hearts to the scriptures. We can't even understand them without God first giving us that ability. We don't, the faith we have, you understand that the faith that we have is a gift from God. It's not your faith. It's something that God has given to you. No matter how much you understand, everything that you think you know about scriptures is you know because that is a gift from God. There's nothing you did, no matter how many times you may read the scriptures, you did not gain that knowledge on your own. It was given to you by God. And so we read our Bibles prayerfully, trusting that God will give us understanding. Because without that, without God giving us understanding, there's no way that we can begin to comprehend the mysteries and the things of the scriptures. We need to have that same type of mentality that children do, that they trust on God, that he will deliver, that he will do everything, that the things that God says in the scriptures, they wholly believe that God will do those things, and we must have that same type of mentality. Without a childlike faith, we cannot receive the kingdom, and we cannot enter the kingdom. We must love children the way Jesus does, and we must love Jesus the way children do. So as we close today, as we conclude our message today, I want to first talk to anyone here or who may be listening who who hasn't put their faith in Jesus, who don't have a relationship with Christ. Understand this, you are completely helpless Spiritually, you are helpless. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing you can do physically to earn God's favor. God isn't looking down on you as you help that elderly person down the street. He says, yes, that's who I want in my kingdom. God isn't looking at your deeds and just giving you a slow clap. Good job. You are completely helpless. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation. It is only through Jesus Christ. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it doesn't matter how good you may feel. It doesn't matter how proud you think you are. There is nothing that you do to earn salvation. Every single person who has ever walked on this earth will come face to face with the God of the universe and will stand before him in judgment. And those who are trying to stand before God on their own deeds, they will get the wrath of God. Everyone is helpless at that point. Everyone at that point, as they stand before the God of the universe, deserves the wrath of God. And there are only two types of people in this world. Those who are in Christ and those who are not. And if you are not in Christ, you will receive the full judgment, the full wrath of God. Because we understand that everyone sins and everyone falls short. No one gives God what is rightfully his. Everyone is in need of a Savior. And in that instance, in, in that instance where we are at the most helpless as we can be, that is exactly what the God of the universe offers. He extends his love and he extends his mercy and he offers everyone the free gift of eternal life in 
Jesus Christ. So if you've never thought of these things, if you've never put your faith in the works of Jesus Christ, we're here today. We have fellowship with me after the service. Pull me aside. I would love to talk to you about what it means to put your faith, to put your trust in the works of Jesus Christ. Those who put their faith and trust in the works of Jesus Christ, they will receive the kingdom of God. So repent and believe and put your trust in the works of Jesus Christ today. To my brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost, I say, if you, if you haven't done this, if you haven't loved children the way that Jesus shows us here, repent. We must accept and we must love children the way Jesus does and we must be leading them to children. You may, be, you may be saying here, well, I don't have any children. All mine are grown. Brothers and sisters, if you have no children, there are still ways that you can be actively looking to be a blessing to children. There are several opportunities here where you can serve to help children come to know who God is. There are opportunities through Children's Church. We have programs like Pilgrim Progress. These are all ways that you can be an example, that you can love children the way Jesus does. You don't need to have children of your own to do this. You can be a blessing to a child. Perhaps that's not your cup of tea. Perhaps you don't want to do that, but there's still ways that you can. You can look for ways to be actively engaged in your church to be a blessing to children. You don't need to have children to do that. If you see a family may need help, you can offer them some help. You can be like, hey, can I sit with you guys? Can I get you anything? Words of encouragement are a great thing to a young family. The only time that you are talking to a family about their kids is when their kids is doing something wrong. Your kid did this, or are you looking for opportunities? Like, look, I saw your son being very helpful today. Such a blessing to my soul to see them love other people the way that they are called to in the scriptures. Great job. That's how we can be an encouragement to families, how we can be a blessing to kids, looking at them saying, that's a great job you just did there. Thank you. We have to be looking actively for ways to love children the way Jesus does, to be a blessing to them. And to the parents, you don't get off that easily. You are the primary influencer of your children's lives. You are the main person who is going to be discipling them. Right? Your mindset cannot be, oh, I will take them to church and they will go to children's church and that's where they'll learn to love God. Your mindset can't be, I'll send them to youth group and that's where they'll become disciples of Christ. No, you are the primarily discipler of your children. You must be influencing your children this way. Yes, we're called to help as your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to be there and to come alongside of you. But that main responsibility to disciple your children, to bring them to God, is yours as parents. We're told in Proverbs 22.6 that we are to train up children in the way that he should go. 
We are commanded in Deuteronomy 6 that we're to teach our children the ways of God, everything that he has commanded. That is our responsibility as parents. We have to be the primary influencers in our kids' lives, not the media, not social media, not children's church. We, as parents, we have to be willing and able to discipline our kids. And that's difficult, and that takes work, but that is your calling as a parent. We need to cheat. We need to treat them. We need to raise them up. We need to teach them how to be respectful to others, how they are to conduct themselves in classrooms or in church, how they are to be respectful towards others, how they are to put others' needs before their own. We should be training them to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Are we, we need to be patient with our children the way God is patient with us. We need to be merciful and graceful, gracious to our kids the way that God is gracious towards us. We must, we must seek as parents to instill the reverence of God within our children. That is your primary job, not the church's. We're here to help you. We're here to be a blessing, but we see your kids four or five hours out of the week. The rest of the time, they are with you. Are you discipling your children? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of mercy and grace, and we thank you for the gift of your Son on the cross. We understand that that we couldn't do any of this, Lord. We can't begin to love our children the way that you love them if you haven't first loved us, Father. We can't be a blessing to our children without first receiving all the blessings that you give us, Father. Lord, if we've fallen short in these areas, if, if we've fallen short of loving our kids the way that you love them, Lord, show us that, reveal that in our hearts, Father. May we repent of that, Father. May we realize the calling that we have as a church to raise up the next generation to bring them up in the ways of God. May we seek to love children and be a blessing to them as a church body. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Give us the strength and discernment to lead our children to you, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.